0: The Right and the Power Abortionists argue that a woman has the right to choose. This is a lie and a false narrative. Women have the power to choose, they have control over their bodies. No one disputes this. If a woman loses the legal right to abort her child, she still retains the physical power to abort him or her. The legal right to abort simply aligns the law with the woman's physical power to kill her fetus. The law adds no power to the female and the law cannot add rights that do not exist nor can governments. The legal right to abort simply enshrines in law the power of the mother. Law always legitimizes one sort of power or one group's power over that of another group or individual. The law does not and cannot create human rights nor natural rights as human law does not overcome natural law. The power of the woman to abort what is in her body is the left's entire argument in a nutshell. Law may do what the law will do, but the law cannot overcome the physical fact that the child is dependent on the mother. The mother will always retain access to the final solution. No one argues that a woman does not have the power to abort her child. No one argues that this power can be removed from the mother. It is understood by all parties that the abortion issue centers on the process and the means used more than if the procedure will occur or not. No matter if the law forbids prostitution and drug use people still engage in paid sexual activity and drug taking. Few people argue that people have a right to take drugs or hire a prostitute. Yet the, my body, my choice argument applies here, as much as it does to the abortion argument. What is legal is not what is possible and what is possible is not what is moral. The law legitimizes one type or form of power and delegitimizes another. The right to do something is not identical with the possibility the act will happen or can happen and neither tells us if the act is legal or not. The mother always retains the possibility of aborting her child and she may possess the legal right to abort the child. The law may give her permission to exercise this power of hers, but the law cannot give rights where the right does not exist. If the law does not give rights and right does not come with the power to act, then what do rights rest on other than natural law? The moral right to do rests on the moral law, which is another term for natural law. If there is any sense that right and wrong exists, it cannot be because the law is always right and human law is the highest expression of the moral nature of the lawgiver. If right and wrong exist, it cannot be encapsulated in the dual doctrine of power. Might does not make right and the end does not justify the means. But this is what all human law is based on. If we do not have the power to make and enforce the law, it remains an opinion. Gravity, the second law of thermodynamics and other laws of nature exist, but these are not what is meant when we refer to natural law. It is not morally right that people fall when they trip or morally wrong that the universe becomes more disordered as time progresses. These things happen but they do not happen because it is morally right that they should. What is morally right pertains to humankind. Natural law is natural and logical and based on axioms. God exists is an axiom. All statements of natural law can be derived from this single proposition. We own what we create, and no one has a right to claim what they did not create. We can derive this from the axiom above. As regards abortion, the mother did not create life, despite it being nurtured in her body. She is a brooder, not a creator. Natural law always makes the wrongdoer accountable for his or her actions. This is derived from the fact we own what we create, and this includes all of our costs. Natural law creates communities that are just because they account for costs and benefits accurately. Each person is paid for what they do and is charged for what they consume. To live right one has to live good. This is therapeutic. To live within natural law is psychologically beneficial. When we are accountable for our costs, we feel better. When we are paid for what we do, we feel empowered and energized. When costs are properly accounted for, society operates better and is a more pleasant place to live. To live by natural law, We must live in a trust or in a cohort that holds us accountable for what we do and recognizes the value we create for others. Natural law is adjudicated in a church not a court. Natural law is implemented in a market, not a judicial system. Natural markets are markets that operate according to the labor theory of value. Prices reflect the labor added to assets. Remember, no man created the natural world, and no man has a right to claim the natural world, or any part of it, as his own. Humans add value to assets to create equity, we do not create assets, and we have no claim on the value inherent in an asset. Natural markets properly allocate value to the creator of the value. God is entitled to his glory and mankind is entitled to his portion. This type of accounting was never thought possible. Mankind claimed nature as his own, whether in the form of private ownership or in the form of a public trust. But we cannot create a stable system based on lies. Mankind cannot conflict with natural law and produce a resilient society. We cannot steal value that is created by another and think we have justice. It is not possible to produce community using methods that divide us, any more than one can create an airplane using a design that conflicts with the laws of aerodynamics. Natural law is the same as moral law, and moral law is a statement about what ought to be. There is a right and wrong in this world, and if we do not live right, we cannot live good, regardless of what things might seem like on the surface. This is why the rich and famous may appear to be living the good life yet, as with so many in less desirable conditions, consume drugs. Whether legal or illegal a life that requires constant medication is not a desirable life. The fundamental, first-order principle that we must live in accordance with is the command to be of use. No one is here for their own benefit and none of us are the measure of their own worth. This is why accountability is important. Our value is defined by our usefulness and our usefulness is defined by others. The very nature of love is defined by the level of our usefulness. We cannot claim empathy or compassion without a degree of usefulness being displayed. This is why scripture always links love to actions. One lives out love. One does not feel love as a sort of disembodied sensation. It stands to reason that if we are to be useful, we must be accountable for our actions. Usefulness must be evaluated which requires usefulness to be standardized and quantified. There has to be an objective verification of our level of use if usefulness is to mean anything. Value can be quantified in an economic and business sense. Value must be earned, not given. Rich parents cannot give their child value. Value is earned. But this condition is difficult to maintain in this system of things. The rich man's child is born with privilege. How is one to earn value if everything the child does is rewarded? How do we determine usefulness if everything the child does is esteemed of great worth? How is the value of a child to be estimated if what the child gets is determined by how much money its parents have access to? If we are not useful, what are we? How can we be connected with reality let alone our community if we have no use at all and therefore no value? Only usefulness can link us together. We may have empathy, but empathy for others ultimately devalues the other. To be loved because the other person has no capacity to discriminate is to be devalued as a person. The law of usefulness states that all things to exist must exist because their existence, in some small measure, causes the existence of that which created their existence. In other words, existence is a mutual act of creation. Existence is usefulness in the form of a positive feedback loop. If our existence does not lead to or contribute to the furtherance of existence, the multiplication of existence, we are not part of all that exists. We may have the power to exist, but not the right, if our existence is not positive. This is the basis of the market. Our usefulness is a measure of our positive market value. The more positive we are individually and generally, the more positive the community. This is also why fascism and totalitarianism is counterproductive and even counterintuitive. Existence cannot be dictated because positive values are determined relationally not by fiat. When John creates value, it is the community that defines the degree with which he has created value. No one dictates to the community what value he or she has. We cannot claim to own assets because we did not create the asset. We cannot claim any value which we did not create. We have to be the author of our own value through our work. Work is action which adds value to the assets we handle or have access to. Natural law is grounded in how we think. To think positive thoughts is to think moral thoughts. We must think consistent with natural law to live a positive and moral life. We cannot think as we ought unless we think morally. To think morally and not act morally is not consistent with natural law or with the moral ought. To know what is right and not do it is not moral or natural. Thus, to live without natural law is to live alienated. Those who live unnatural lives are aliens and alienated. We often alienation is being divisive, or racist, or bigoted or hateful, but if we are correct in our assessment, what we see are aliens living alien lives. Alienation from others and the accountability provided by others alienates them from natural law and those of us who aspire to live by natural law. To live alienated from natural law is to live as aliens. If we are not accountable and not open to being held accountable by others, we subscribe to the idea that might makes right. To not create value and not be useful is to be parasitic. None of this can be disputed as it is grounded in the logic of natural law. If we are not of use, we are of no use. If we have no use, we have no value. There is no refuting the argument. Socialists do not live according to natural law because socialism does not permit accountability. Thus, liberals are aliens and ultimately socialists alienate themselves from decent persons and natural law. Alienation is an offense against nature and God. The existence of liberalism is an offense against the very laws of nature because to live alienated from others is to live alienated from natural law. If one is of no use one must live as a parasite. Parasites are not accountable for the costs they create. This is why they alienate themselves from the accountability of the market. Parasites as socialists live by means of their power to exploit the value created by those who live positive lives. If we live right, we do not live as parasites. If we are accountable, we must create value so as to be accountable for the costs we create. The only other option is to live as a fascist overpowering the right to take from them the value they created. This is not right, and it is not consistent with natural law, which is the law of usefulness. We must be of use, or we are of no use, and if we are of no use, we have no value. That is natural law.